broadcasting all around the globe. Welcome to the Bitcoin Digital Money Show, where we talk everything Bitcoin and crypto related with your hostess, early Bitcoin adopter, serial entrepreneur, and freedom crypto capitalist, Cashflow Queen, Kenitra. For more content, visit us at www.bitcoindigitalmoney.com. Please remember, we do not offer securities, investments, tax, or any legal advice. Enjoy the show. All right. Well, welcome, welcome to our first official Bitcoin digital money show. All right. So, um, my name is Queen. Cashflow Queen Kenitra is my pen name and my author name. So what we're going to talk about, and I want to bring you all up to speed just in case uh, you have not followed me or maybe this is your first time hearing my voice and you're not familiar with who I am. What we're going to talk about, uh, I'm going to give you a couple of things. I'm going to talk about my background story as far as how I got involved in Bitcoin. We're going to discuss uh, what is Bitcoin? What the heck is this Bitcoin thing I keep hearing about? We're also going to talk about why Bitcoin. Why should I use Bitcoin? And also uh, securing your Bitcoins. So with that, let's, let's dig into my background story. You know, when I go to different um, events, Bitcoin, crypto, currency events and um, meetups and things like that around the country, around the globe. You know, that's the first, you know, question pretty much people ask you is like, you know, how did you get involved in Bitcoin? What made you get involved in Bitcoin? And uh, for me, I would say, and I know this may sound kind of weird, but my story started at the age of 15, right? So I was priming myself to be ready for Bitcoin at the age of 15. The age of 15, I started my first business. I was in middle school and um, my business was really candy arbitrage. <laughs> so uh, here's how it worked. My mom would give me $5 a week for lunch. It was a dollar a day for lunch. So she would give me five bucks a week at the top of the week. And um, I asked her one week because uh, she had a uh, she had a Sam's Club um, membership where she could get stuff in bulk at really, really deep discounts. And so we had a candy store inside of our school. And most of the kids, you know, before school started, they would go buy candy or whatever before school and so I went in there and I kind of priced some of their items and I said well what if you know I sell some of this stuff and I sell it just a little bit cheaper than what they're selling it for and I can do it that way if I you know get it in bulk so I started with blow pops that was like my my first uh, start that was my first inventory so I went and got a big bag. Well, before I did that, you know, I asked my mom, hey, can I take my money and go buy these blow pops and I'm going to sell them and I'm going to make some more money? 
and she says, hey, look, I don't, you know, know your business plan and all of that, but here's what I'm telling you. Here's your $5 for lunch. If you blow it, you blow it. You don't eat lunch. So do whatever you want to do. I said, okay, great. Will you take me to Sam's Whole Club? So, whole, uh, whatever, Sam's Club, so I can um, go get it. She was like, yeah, I'll take you. So I went. I got a big bag of blow pops. I got a variety of uh, flavors because I didn't know what flavors people were going to like. And we would sell these blow pops. I actually had uh, two. I had two employees. So my best friend, and then I had another friend. And so I had them. What we would do is uh, we would pretty much all the door entries into the school, we would stand in front of them and we would just yell out, blow pops, blow pops, get your blow pops. And then all the kids started figuring out, oh, it's cheaper to get them from them. So we would sell out pretty much every day. So I was doing this like every day. So I was making like, you know, $20 off of my $5. So I was just like in heaven, right? So that was my first little taste of, of entrepreneurship. And then I started doing artwork and stuff on kids, uh, blue jeans and their jackets and all this kind of stuff. And it just, it, just, it just really showed me that, hey, I can take an idea and I can monetize that idea and people will pay me for that. So that's when I first got started. Uh, in 1992 or so, this is about a year after I graduated high school. In 1992, one of my mentors uh, recommended me to read a book because I had always had this fascination with money. I was just always fascinated with money. I don't, I don't know if you can relate to this or not, but as a kid, I always wanted to know where does this stuff come from? Like, how can I get more of it? Like, why do people fight, cry, argue over it? Like, like you know, what is this? You know, so I always had this fascination about money. So in 1992, one of my mentors recommended that I read this book called The Creature from Jekyll Island. And it's by uh, Edward Griffin. And a fascinating, fascinating read. A fascinating book. And it talked about, you know, how the Federal Reserve was created. It talked about, you know, monetary policy. And it it, it it talked about all of these different concepts that, you know, where I started to kind of, you know, put the pieces of the puzzle together. And so from reading that, then I got interested in Austrian economics. So I started studying Austrian economics and studying, studying the philosophy around all of that. And I was just deep, 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 deep in the rabbit hole, just deep in the rabbit hole. So about 1995, um, that's when I got fascinated with the internet and that's when I started learning, you know, about the internet and all of this stuff. Back then it was called the information superhighway. I was one of the first people in my peer group, uh, in my family and amongst my friends to actually even talk about email and, you know, the World Wide web and all this kind of stuff. And I would tell people, you know, Hey, we're going to be using this technology every single day it's going to be a part of our lives we're going to be be able to communicate we're going to be able to you know send won't be able won't have to send snail mail letters anymore you can send email and all this kind of stuff and i would say these things and people would look at me like like i had three heads like i was just crazy you know and so here we are today 
you know, using this technology, we can't get away from it. You can't go 24 hours without accessing the Internet in some form or fashion, right? That's how Bitcoin's going to be, right? That's how Bitcoin's going to be. So, um, so anyway, uh, 95, I taught myself uh, web development. I taught myself uh, programming languages, HTML, Java, different things like that. And then I went out, I created a business around the concept. So I went out to small businesses and um, promoted my services to them. They bought my services, boom, created a marketing company around it. Um, so that was all cool. That was great. Then we had um, fast forward, you know, 2008. 2008, we all know what happened. Uh, big greedy bankers crashed the whole financial system. We had a, a global, worldwide financial collapse, and uh, a lot of people lost their their total, you know, life savings, their retirement. Just a, a lot of bad things uh, happened during that. And um, 2009, remember, I'm still fascinated with money, right? I'm still fascinated with Austrian economics. I'm still fascinated with understanding why the Federal Reserve exists, central banks, all this stuff. I'm still fascinated with this, even though I'm running this marketing company. So 2009, this white paper gets introduced, it gets put out online, right? And uh, it's an eight-page Bitcoin white paper, which I call it... uh, mathematical poetry it's really a mathematical poetry uh document is is what it is you know once you read it and you may not get it the first time you may have to read it again and again and again but once you get it and you get that aha moment and it clicks for you uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna want to do anything else with your life but something around this i know that's what it was for me and my peers and business partners and colleagues that were all involved in this space that's just where our head's at. Like, what else could we be working on that's more important than this? So, uh, when I first heard about Bitcoin, Bitcoin was trading at, I want to say around 10 cents per coin. And I, I hadn't read the white paper at that point, right? I just heard, you know, different, you know, things about it, some articles. There wasn't a lot of information on it, uh, but it was a lot of technical stuff from uh, developers and techie guys and things like that. Uh, but the guy that I first started following was um, Trace Mayer. And uh, Trace Mayer, he's, uh, he's an economist. He's a serial entrepreneur. He's an early, early, early Bitcoin adopter. And uh, he's just really, really, really a smart guy that I, that I follow. And he's one of the main reasons uh, or I could really point to him and say he is the reason that I, I uh, took the plunge and got involved in Bitcoin. So at any rate, it was trading at $0.10 cents or whatever. Didn't really, you know, look at it the way I should have. Then it went to, uh, I think, like, uh, I don't know, double digits, 10 20 bucks or whatever. It got at about 100 bucks. When it got at about 100 bucks, I did uh, read the white paper and... I said, ah, I had that aha moment, right? And I said, oh, my God, this is freedom. Like, this is what we people, uh, libertarians, uh, Austrian economists, uh, all these people, people that are, you know, uh, hedging uh, with gold and silver, this is the answer, 
right? This is the answer. So I got excited. <laughs> and uh, what I did from 2012, from like the latter part of 2012 all the way up to uh, the latter part of 2014, uh, I still had my marketing company. And what I did was I had my, my higher end clients, I had them to pay me in Bitcoin. I would only accept Bitcoin at that time. And at that time, it was trading for right around 100, up under 100 or whatnot. So I was accumulating, you know, Bitcoin at this point in time. I still haven't purchased, but I was accumulating it. I had a wallet and I was having them to pay me in Bitcoin. Um, because it was it was crazy as far as how to get it at that time. It was really difficult to get, you know, you'd have to go get a green dot card. You have to go to Walmart. You have to do this and do that. It just it seemed very shady. And I just, I didn't want to figure it out. I was just so involved in what I was doing. And my obligation was to my marketing clients and so forth. So I had them to do it. I had smart clients. And so they did it. And so it was great. I was accumulating. Uh, 2014 was when I first, uh, there was now uh, some companies coming on board that would allow you to purchase and it made it a little bit easier. So 2014 was when I bought my first Bitcoin and, uh, you know, buying ever since uh, from 2014 on until today. So uh, I know that's a long uh, winded uh, background history, but, you know, that's that's my story and uh, I'm sticking to it. <laughs> but no, that's my story. And, and I'm just I'm happy to to be uh, where I am today. And I'm happy to have the the open-mindedness and I guess the the optimistic uh, viewpoint and uh, be able to uh, receive receive this because I, I think that people that dismiss it and every one of us every pretty much every person that I've talked to uh, early adopters on to people that just got involved you know a couple months ago we all see it for the first time and we dismiss it because we just don't believe it. Right. We just like, nah, you know, how could it be any different? You know, the banks have always had a monopoly on the money. How can something compete with that? And, you know, um, that's the beautiful thing about it is that, yeah, the banks have always had a monopoly on the money. And now here's this little technology um, that that can compete with that, that can give people an option. And I feel like. You know, I'm not one of those people that feel like, oh, you know, Bitcoin's going to overthrow the bank, overthrow the government. You know, that's not what it's about. It's just about having an option, having an alternative to the incumbent, to the legacy system. And uh, we have options in everything else. You know, um, in the United States, if a company gets too big, they'll break it up. You know, the railroad industry was broken up because it was a monopoly. The telecommunications industry was broken up because it became a monopoly. The automobile industry was broken up because it became a monopoly. Now the banking industry is being disrupted because they have been a monopoly since the invention of banking. So here we are, this little Bitcoin technology protocol chugging along and uh, disrupting the banking system. Fascinating, fascinating. So, um, yeah, that's my Bitcoin story. So why why Bitcoin? You know, people ask me all the time, well, why, why should I invest in Bitcoin? And I'm going to be very frank with you. If you're in a first world country, 
really the only use case that I could see for you would be uh, a store value use case, right? Uh, we're not in a situation, I'm talking people in the United States, we're not in a situation where we have strict capital controls where we can only get, you know, so much capital out of our bank accounts and things like that. And uh, We're not in that situation yet. <laughs> yet, right? So people ask me, well, why, why Bitcoin? Well, there's a couple of, couple of my top reasons, a couple of my top reasons, and I'll share those with you. One of the first ones is that, you know, there are not too many assets that, that we own. Um, and you may think, you know, well, my, my vehicle's paid off and I have the title to my vehicle, so, you know, I own my vehicle. Well, you don't, you don't own your vehicle. Um, the state issued you a title but you don't have a manufacturer's title from the manufacturer of the vehicle so you don't truly own the vehicle it's not a bearer asset you got an IOU from the state so you may say well you know I I own my house you know my house is paid off my mortgage is paid off I own it I have the deed yep you have the deed from the county <laughs> the county has the true deed they gave you an IOU they issued you an IOU so you don't really own your house you say, well, okay, well, I own stocks. I have lots of uh, stock certificates that I own. Well, if you look at those stock certificates, you'll see that you don't own the stocks. It's an IOU. The DTCC owns stock, the real stock. You don't. You just have IOUs all over the place. Well, Bitcoin, for me, in, in, in my life, it's the first, outside of gold and silver, it's the first bearer asset that I could truly own and control, right? Even with gold and silver, if you don't actually have the physical gold, the physical silver in your possession, you don't technically own it, right? If it's, you know, on a ledger somewhere in a, you know, Swiss bank or Hong Kong or some storage, you know, facility, and they tell you you have X amount of gold, X amount of silver and they show you a balance on a website on a web page you know who's to say that that gold and that silver is really there so if it's not in your possession you don't truly own it and so that's the beautiful thing for me about Bitcoin and why Bitcoin it's the first bearer asset that we can truly own and we can be our own bank we can be our own bank this leads me into another now when I say be your own bank you've got to uh, not only uh, control uh, the private keys right to your Bitcoin and we'll, we'll dive into this stuff deeper if it's kind of over your head don't worry about it I'm giving you a high level view of everything here in this episode but you own the private keys and then you secure those private keys alright so that's that's how you uh, you own your Bitcoin the proper way and control your Bitcoin the proper way but I talked about uh, the banks right so another reason why Bitcoin so the banks have had a monopoly on the money for as far as we can remember so when you go and you get paid you work your 40 hours your 50 60 some 70 80 hours a week 
and you go and you deposit that hard-earned check into the bank, well, guess what happens? Uh, you've just made an investment in the bank, and you've become an unsecured creditor. And the bank has full legal rights to do whatever they choose to do with your money. So you deposit your $10,000 in the bank. They loan that $10,000 to me at 20% interest, and they give you less than 1% on your money. The banks didn't have any skin in the game, right? They're just the building. They're just the middle man between person A and person B. So this is where Bitcoin comes into play and disintermediates that and brings person A and person B together without any third party, without any counterparty risk, without any middleman, without any rent seekers. That's a beautiful piece of technology. So, uh, the banks, right? You don't own your money. They can do whatever they choose to do. They can, you know... Loan the money out to me at a high interest, give you nothing on your money. They can uh, bail in, meaning confiscate your money. And uh, they have every right to do so, right? So they can confiscate your money. They can money launder your money. And they have the legal right to money launder because they're banks. They can do whatever they choose to do with your money. Because once you forked it over, you deposit it into the account. If you read the terms and the conditions of your bank account, you will see in black and white that they can do whatever they choose to do with your money. You do not own the money that's in your bank account. That's not a bare asset. That's, uh, <laughs> again, you're an unsecured creditor. You forked over all rights and you have counterparty risk. It can be seized. It can be confiscated. Let them get a letter from the IRS saying you possibly owe some back taxes. Eh, you may as well say that money's good as gone. So that's why Bitcoin, right? That's why Bitcoin. And, you know, the beautiful thing about, about Bitcoin, like I said, is that it's the first time in a long time, as far back as I can remember, that we actually can own and control a bare asset and we can send any amount of value from one person to another person anywhere in the world without any third party without any counterparty risk uh, without any censorship right if I wanted to purchase whatever I wanted to purchase you know drugs adult entertainment or what have you I could do that that's not what I do, but I could do that. And I don't judge people that do that. That's their business, right? Uh, as long as you do what you do and you don't tread on any of my rights, then I'm, I'm okay with you doing whatever you want to do with your body and your money. So those are some of my top reasons why Bitcoin, you know, and I wrote about this in my book. There's a chapter in my book where... Um, where I go into and I talk about the laws that have been snuck on the books kind of quietly <laughs> without any uh, press or, or any uh, coverage on it because obviously, you know, if uh, the spotlight was to be shined on this, you know, people, people would have a problem. 
But uh, in the book, I discussed um, the agreement between FDIC and the Bank of England. Um, and when you when you really study, like I said, Jekyll, the, that creature from Jekyll Island got me started down that rabbit hole. And when you really, really study our monetary history, you'll know the Bank of England uh, has a lot of clout. And so anyway, there's an agreement that um, we won't do any bailouts anymore. So if banks go insolvent and so forth, we won't do any public bailouts with public tax funds. We'll do something called bail-ins. And bail-ins just basically means that they'll just take your money that's in your bank account. Your 401k, they'll just take it, right? You don't own any of that stuff anyway. You've already given up all rights to it. You just, you're not aware of it, but you've given up all rights. So now, um, take back some of your rights, you know, study this Bitcoin, study this protocol, see if it makes sense for you in your financial situation. So, um, I'm looking at my notes here. We talked about my background, why Bitcoin, and uh, what is Bitcoin? For those of you that may not be familiar, <laughs> again, Bitcoin is uh, mathematical poetry. Bitcoin is freedom. Bitcoin is uh, censorship resilient. Uh, Bitcoin allows you to send, transact any amount of value to anyone anywhere in the world with the touch of a couple of buttons. You know, um, I don't know if you've ever flown out of your home country internationally, but $10,000 U.S. is like the, the number, the magic number. So try to fly with $11,000, $12,000 in your possession and see what happens. Because that's a government-controlled fiat currency, they control it, the rules and so forth that apply to that money apply to you because you're in possession of it. See, the, the, the rules of Bitcoin are rules of freedom, not rules of oppression. So when you own and control Bitcoin, you have to adhere to those rules. And those rules are simply math. <laughs> and see, math is not, math doesn't discriminate you know, against gender, sexual preference, ethnicity, none of that. Math is just simply math. That's the freedom in Bitcoin. That is the freedom in Bitcoin. And I encourage you, if you haven't, you know, read the white paper, go to uh, Bitcoin.org and download the white paper and read the white paper. Uh, it's only eight pages, you know, and I tell you, you'll have to read it again and again and again and again. Because I'm not a technical uh, Bitcoin developer, you know, and I'm assuming, you know, most of you listening to the show, you're not going to come from that standpoint. Um, so there's some technical things in there, but as you read it and read it and read it, you'll get an aha moment. And once you get that aha moment, you won't you won't want to do anything else uh, but Bitcoin, uh, or at least be a part of it in, in some sort of way. Okay. Um, another thing is securing your coins. You know, you want to make sure that um, again when you're when you're buying Bitcoin. Remember when I when I started, 
it was all crazy how you had to get Bitcoin, right? There were really no on-ramps. Uh, now there are exchanges out there where you can buy Bitcoin. In some locations around the, around the U.S., around the world, really, they have uh, Bitcoin ATM machines where you can put physical fiat cash in the ATM and you can purchase Bitcoin and send it, you know, to your wallet. Um, you want to secure your coins, right? You don't want to keep your Bitcoin on uh, an exchange because, you know, exchanges get hacked and there's been uh, tremendous amounts of hacks out there. Uh, Bitcoin itself, the protocol, has never been hacked. Uh, Bitcoin's uh, security mechanism is, is huge. Uh, I was told it's about 500 times larger than the largest supercomputer in the world. So the network is secure, it's resilient, the protocol has never been hacked. And trust me, there are people trying every single minute of the day to hack Bitcoin. Why? Because it's uh, about a $130 billion market cap right now. So uh, there's a lot of capital at stake if you figure out how to hack it. But it's never been hacked at the protocol level. What happens is if you hear about hacks and things like that, it's uh, usually an exchange or an individual user. Their wallet has been hacked because they didn't secure their coins properly. Their passwords are weak. Um, they're using unsecured networks to get into their wallets, things like that. So you have to be mindful of those types of things. So, you know, if you're going to join this ecosystem and be a part of this ecosystem, you know, learn how to secure your coins, learn how to secure your computer, learn how to encrypt files, just be paranoid. You know, I tell my clients all the time, if you err on the side of paranoia, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll be absolutely fine. So, um, yeah, Bitcoin. I want to um, also spotlight uh, our sponsor uh, for this episode. And our sponsor is CryptoWealthClub.com. Again, CryptoWealthClub.com. CryptoWealthClub.com is a Bitcoin and blockchain educational platform. It teaches people how to go from a novice to an advanced or even wealthy cryptocurrency investor. So if you're interested in that, head on over to CryptoWealth.com and check out what they have to offer. If you'd like to submit a question for us to go through on our next upcoming episodes, you can send an email, send your question to support. Again, send your question to support at BitcoinDigitalMoney.com. Again, if you'd like to submit a question and have us to go over that question in an upcoming episode, then send that question to support at BitcoinDigitalMoney.com. Hey, it's been a great first official episode, guys. Uh, make sure that you uh, go to our YouTube channel, like, subscribe uh, on our YouTube channel so you can stay updated. Um, go to the website. You can actually subscribe uh, to our iTunes uh, show as well if you want to you know, listen to us through iTunes. I'm not sure how you're listening right now, but we're on iTunes, we're on YouTube, and some other podcasting platforms. But if you go to BitcoinDigitalMoney.com, then you can see all of those choices. 
So it's been great. Loved having you here. I'll see you in the next upcoming episodes. And remember, if cash flow is king, then Bitcoin is queen.com. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to the Bitcoin Digital Money Show. Remember to like, subscribe, and share the show with others. For more behind-the-scenes and in-depth content, please visit us at www.bitcoindigitalmoney.com. And remember, if cash flow is king, then bitcoinisqueen.com.